Why do you want to do that? <laughs> Why not? I don't know. <laughs> you got that presentation? <laughs> Douglas? How are you? <laughs> and now the new building costs 107. I'm not sure I know how to deal with you so far away from me. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. There we go. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. We're about to start the Port of Long Beach Administration Building Program Validation Workshop, excuse me, study session for October, for, excuse me, August 5th, 2013. Uh, we have a guest with us today. We certainly do. Our Mayor Bob Foster, and I know he would like to speak before us, so please come forward. Thank you, President Fields, members of the commission. I appreciate the opportunity to address you this morning. Um, I, I want to take this opportunity to kind of take a little trip down memory lane on this issue of the Port Administration Building because there has been a lot of controversy about it. I believe a lot of misinformation. There have uh, even been former commissioners who suggested that I have been uh, to have been intervening in port uh, affairs, and this has been the example they've used. And uh, I want to give you an example of what I find to be right and wrong with some of the numbers that have been used. And I think I've talked to almost, I think I've talked to every commissioner, and when I've talked to them about the numbers that I was given early on about this administration building, I get shock and amazement, or I didn't know that, or I never heard of that. So this is an opportunity to put it on the table I would urge you at some time to get a chronology together so you can see this yourself because there's 
something amiss here. First of all, uh, the paperwork before you today, I read it very quickly, but I think it now says that the Harbor Administration Building uh, is about $107 million or thereabouts uh, uh, in estimated cost. And I think that that's probably in the ballpark for the, is that correct, Mr. Morrow? Uh, it's, it's in the ballpark. However, uh, when I first looked at the Harbor Administration Building, it was a $300 million line item in your budget. 40, 47 million of that was for the, thank you, was for the maintenance yard. So we're left with about 253 million, which is one of the reasons I vetoed that provision. It was extraordinarily expensive. It was, depending on how you calculated, it could have been as much as $1,000 a square foot, certainly in north of 800 a square foot. And it didn't seem to me an appropriate expenditure. I, I take my role uh, seriously as guarding, as guarding public money. I take that very seriously. And I know that all of you take it seriously as well. I know all of you view yourself uh, as a governing board when it tries to govern this organization and try to lead it in the right direction and try to also act as a bit of a check on things that the staff might do. That's what your role is. You, you understand that. I think you execute it most times very well. This is a case where the numbers kept moving around. So 300 million, call it 250, okay, for the building. That, I, I believe, was a, uh, uh, an inordinate amount of money for an, uh, in terms of a, an office building, particularly at a time when the Gerald Desmond Bridge was not completed and needed $300 million to be completed. I thought that that juxtaposed was really not a rational thing to do on the port's behalf. This is why I vetoed it. That's okay. It's my role. And you responded as a port, I think, quite effectively and said, well, we'll take another look at it. The next thing I, I, I hear is I'm, I was at a meeting with uh, Commissioner Shramick and a senior staff, and they wanted to purchase the World Trade Center, a 588,000-square-foot building when you needed about 250 or 60, um, and at a cost depending on how you calculate it, but certainly all in with tenant improvements at least 180 or million dollars or north of that. Um, my comment at the time was it has to be a good deal. And as I looked into that, it didn't appear to be a good deal. Now, at a briefing with port staff, where I believe Commissioner Drummond was present and I believe Noel Hasegawa was present, I went through the listing of the competitive buildings that would be the competition to the World Trade Center. There were several buildings, some of which were clearly not appropriate. Uh, but there was the World Trade Center, listed at $140 million plus $17 million for the defeasance of a loan, plus tenant improvements. You figure the number out. I would believe it would be north of 180 when all is said and done. Then I looked at some of the other buildings, and there was a one building in particular by uh, a, an entity here in town at about 100, if I remember, it's about $103 million. And then there was an A and B on that entity. And the B was for well over $200 million, and I asked what that was. And what I was told is that the engineering consultant that the port used looked at that bid and decided that that entity could not construct it for that much money and literally more than doubled their bid. Now that, to me, that didn't look right. That to me was inappropriate. I remember President Fields, when I talked to you about this, you said you knew nothing about it. That's clear, that paperwork is still around. Take somebody's bid and double it unilaterally because you substitute your judgment for theirs when they're willing to sign a contract didn't seem appropriate to me. 
And I'd like you to take a look at that because $200 plus million for an office building uh, is clearly even out of the range that you're describing now. You are really in now the range of what this building would cost. And to me, that's what cast credulity on the whole process that was being used. So I've taken some heat on this, and I'm willing to take it. I'm a big boy. Uh, I, I consider uh, getting involved in this issue and what eventually your decision was one of the best things I've done because you've now chosen a path to use public money wisely. You now are on a path to put a hopefully an iconic building downtown uh, and do it right from scratch at a reasonable cost. But I want all of you to know in a public forum, those were the numbers. It wasn't $100 million. It wasn't $200 million. It was in excess of $200 million. And that, to me, was never appropriate. You need to ask yourself where the numbers came from, because it looks inappropriate. That's what it appears inappropriate. It appeared that way to me. And I would urge you to take a careful look at it. I'm a big supporter of this port. I want you to be the most profitable and best-run port in the country. I want you to do things. You know, we have a lot of self-interested groups and special interests out there that are fomenting turmoil. Self-admitted, they're fomenting turmoil. And yet, right in front of them, there's a hundred plus million dollars in added expenditure for the port that they say nothing about. No, but they'll get involved in little minutia, little issues here and there, but not in big issues for some reason. Well, that's my job. That's the job of the council. We're the last stop on this. We take it seriously. So. The reason I'm here today is to bring it to your attention collectively, to make this transparent. This report in front of you now says that the building is going to cost a little more than $100 million, and that's, like I said, right in the ballpark. But that wasn't the case. And if that's true today, why would this harbor consider spending $180 million on a building? That you'd have to lease out the excess space and earn $4 million. Not a good business decision. I'm not going to relive that. But having talked to each one of you individually and gotten just bewilderment on most of your parts about where these numbers came from, check it out. That's what this is about. This was about spending money appropriately. This was about guarding against excess spending. And I know you care about that as much as I do. This is not about you. Something was amiss in this issue. I'm linking all the dots for you. You find out what it is. I don't know where it is. But those are the numbers I was dealing with, so I can give you a sense of why I was so adamant that this seemed to be, this seemed to be irregular. And I, I believe that today. I think you're on the right path. I'm glad you're in a temporary building that's affordable. I'm very happy you're going to come downtown. And I noticed that the report says you want to be able to view the port, to view the harbor. That's great. I don't think it's any danger of being taken away, but nevertheless, I think you should be able to view the harbor. Uh, and I think that's appropriate. And being downtown will add to the downtown and will add to your connection with the city. So I want to thank you for all that. But when the dust settles, I think it was important to come here today and add transparency to what I think has been a little murky process. And those are the reasons why I got involved. Those are the reasons why I think the city got involved. And those are things I would urge you all to take a careful look at and just assure yourself that things, uh, that you understand the reasons why things occurred. I'd be happy to answer any questions. 
Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And I want to say I appreciate very much you coming down and having this frank discussion with us. I think, um, you know, of the most important things we have to do in the city, I think having that relationship with you in the city is paramount. So I, first of all, thank you for that. Uh, and I also thank you for your point of view. You know, you and I have had certain discussions about this, and I'm sure we'll continue. And I really appreciate you, you know, putting those numbers out there because it clears up some issues. Well, so I hope let me it just does. say that. That's, that's the only purpose to kind of clear the air on this because I know that there are some people, uh, you know, that would say, well, you know, why does the city care? What's involved? Is this about, you know, this all this, all this is really about is about assuring that the public's money gets spent wisely and the port gets a permanent, and I would argue, an iconic home in the city. That's appropriate. But I know that uh, even a couple of you sitting up here have raised questions about, about this issue with me. And when I've talked to you and mentioned those numbers, you, you have told me you never heard of them. You've never seen them. So go find out where they are. I think Noel can probably help you find them. Uh, I know that that paperwork is still around. I'd be happy to share it with you if you want. It's not to go back and not for recrimination. It's not to try to punish anyone. I just think that you're dealing with a, a huge entity here that has a lot of economic consequence for Southern California. You all know that. This is a world-class port. And those kinds of things with that much, that much delta, that much distance between those numbers should really not occur. You're a governing board. You should get accurate information, quite frankly. You should get, you should, above anybody, you should get accurate information. So it was clear to me that wasn't the case. And I urge you just take a look at it and see, go look at those numbers yourself. As I said, you're on the right path now, but you ought to look back and get some lessons learned. Great. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Dimes. Thank you, President Fields. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor, for your valuable time today. Uh, there is one thing that does not get mentioned, but I, I feel I must mention this. I do want to thank you for the suggestion that the port uh, build a permanent headquarters in the downtown area. I, I personally agree with you. I do not believe we should build a permanent headquarters in the port. The port land should be used for moving containers and other goods. And uh, when I look at the valuable land that we will be able to use towards moving more cargo or cargo handling equipment such as chassis which is evolving to move off docks every single acre will be precious in the port so i do support moving uh, a permanent headquarters downtown and using the land in the port to do what we do best and that's move cargo thank you for that suggestion uh, mr commissioner Dines, I, I think generally i agree with those statements you know i, I leave it to people who know this business much better than i do to make those decisions but I think in general, I think that's right. I think you use your business land for business opportunities and for revenue producing items, or at least to increase your efficiency. I think those are the, the pro appropriate sentiments. I mean, sentiments, you know, to me, you know, uh, I, I kind of akin like being in the port with an office building would be like Southern California Edison having its office building in San Onofre. It's not necessary. In fact, we'd be in a little, little world of hurt today if they did. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, you want to be close to your asset, I believe, but you don't have to be located within your asset. And I think you said it best. I think there's a higher and better use for that land. Commissioner Drummond. Mr. Mayor, I appreciate your, your coming here and particularly putting these numbers in a, in a position that the public can look at them. Part of these numbers came to us through closed sessions and the information did not come to you in closed session, and therefore it's 
public information. I, I'm aware of that. And I particularly... And, 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 and if I may, I, I thought of that. I mean, I, I honor information that is in closed session, but now I also know that having talked to the city attorney that sufficient time has passed, that that issue now is not live and the, the requirements around the closed session would not, uh, would, would, not, would not be enforced right now. Plus, I wasn't a party to the closed session. But I would honor that if information came out, and I appreciate the briefing. Uh, but I wanted to I wanted all of you to know, in a group setting, what the numbers look like. Well, I wanted to say especially that I appreciate your making these numbers public. Thank you. My, my pleasure. And again, I want to I want to thank all of you. You know, look, everything everything else said, you have a very difficult job. Uh, I understand you. You know, you have a lot of money you're spending. You have a huge construction project. You're under a lot of competitive pressures. This is not to take anything away from that. This port generally is well run. It, it's, it's, an, it's a huge economic asset. We want it to continue to prosper. And my only goal in bringing this here is to make you better, not to look for, to try to go and get some victim or try to punish somebody. I think you need, everybody can improve, everybody. And I think this is one area where you might want to look at your processes and see where you can be, you can make some improvement. Commissioner Wise. Yeah, just real briefly, I, I joined the others in um, thanking you for coming here today. And I especially appreciate your, your pointing out the, the need to look at the numbers very closely. And I think when we do that, when we look at the numbers that we're receiving now, or, or if we are to look back at numbers that we received before, we need to make sure that all the costs are taken into account, that we're looking at construction costs, that we're looking at parking costs, that we're looking at property costs, the whole, the whole ball of wax. So um, I look forward to, to doing that. And again, appreciate your pointing these things out. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Commissioner Wise. You also you need to look at everything all in, but you could add, you know, the world's most spiffy parking lot and never get the $253 million, you know. And, 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 you know, I just think it, I think a red flag, if it was given to you at all, but a real red flag is when, when someone, I don't care if it's an engineering firm, I don't care if it's staff, I don't care if it's a commissioner. When someone takes someone else's work and unilaterally alters it, immediately in your minds, and, and my minds, everybody's mind, it casts doubt on that first proposal because something must have been wrong. And to me, that would have been a red flag immediately. Why is somebody doing that? I mean, these, these were people putting these proposals together were not children. They were, they were smart, experienced business people who were willing to sign contracts. At that point, I would have said, if you were in fact even told, you know, why, I did say in that meeting, you can't do this, why would you do that? And immediately, to be candid, it looked to me as if someone were trying to make something else look better. That's what I meant by irregular. I'm not accusing anybody of that, but that's the first thought in my head, was that someone's trying to make something else look better. And that just, that just can't happen. It just can't happen in this, uh, in a world where there's the kind of scrutiny that we have, and quite frankly, in a world that cares about substance, that can't happen. So, uh, I, I urge you to just take a look back and look at lessons learned, if there are any. Uh, and I, I appreciate your indulgence. I thank you for the time, and I, I want to thank all of you for your hard work. These are thankless jobs, and I know that. You know, I know you get paid nothing, basically, and. Uh, you know, you, you do work hard, you work a lot of hours, and I recognize that, and I thank you for your public service. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, okay now, uh, 
Mr. Uh, Morrow, would you like to start off this session? Sure. Thank you. Session? Thank you, President Fields. Um, uh, earlier this year, the board asked uh, staff to reevaluate the space programming needs for a future permanent administration building. And uh, so today we've assembled our team. Uh, there's a couple of opening remarks by staff, but then a presentation by HKS. So I'll turn it over to Doug Thiessen for some quick comments. Thank you, Al. Um, commissioners, we have uh, two presenters here today from HKS Architects. Um, the first is uh, Scott Hunter. He's principal in the firm, and uh, Maria Martinico. Uh, you probably, uh, they're in the front row here. You probably remember them. Uh, some of you participated on one-on-one -on -one interviews. A few of you did telephone interviews. They also interviewed uh, port directors. Um, their presentation is about 30 minutes. Uh, hopefully we'll have some time at the end of that for some Q&A and uh, potential next steps. Um, so Scott, are you all set? Great, thank you very much. Uh, I'm Scott Hunter with HKS, uh, principal in charge of the revalidation study that we went through. Uh, we'll lead you through a summary. We've, we've prepared a far more extensive document that has a lot of backup information, program validation that we went through. Um, and that is a pretty substantial report. And I believe that probably has been made available to everyone. Today, I think we're going to be focusing on kind of the, the highlights, the overview of some of the findings. Um, and uh, just to give you a brief overview of what we hope to talk about, uh, a little bit of background, and a review of the goals and success drivers that we identified, uh, talking with, with uh, the Board of Commissioners and with staff, a review of amenities that were described as being desirable or less desirable uh, for the new headquarters building, uh, issues focused on, as the mayor mentioned, about iconography, what the building looks like, what it symbolizes in the community uh, and to the world. Uh, and then a programming summary, an overview of actual square footages and uh, space allocations. And then um, a rather lengthy uh, part of our study ended up being a benchmarking, a cost comparison, being aware of the sensitivity of that subject. Uh, and we'll give you some highlights on that. And then some of the uh, various studies that we looked at very quickly at different options that might be made uh, possible by looking at different sites, whether it's in the downtown sector of Long Beach, at the port, et cetera. And then a few high-level conclusions and then open it up to question and answer for you. Um, so the, the initiative for this was to look at, obviously, the future replacement for this building, the administration building. Uh, there was a design that, ha our, uh, that had been pretty thoroughly developed and designed, and then, as we just heard, was vetoed at a certain point. Uh, the construction documents had been put on hold. Um, and then in the interim period, uh, a temporary headquarters structure is, uh, a building is uh, being renovated uh, to move the port to closer to the airport site. And so our task was to look at the original design that was situated in the port, which included the maintenance facility, parking structure, site amenities, and the actual headquarters building itself, and to revalidate the assumptions that went into the program. Uh, how many people, 
how much square footage per person. So ultimately we could make a determination if the building was the right size. Uh, then we can have a discussion, I think, with a little bit more confidence about the actual cost of the building. But first, we have to be sure that we have the right size. Um, just as an overview of all the people that were involved uh, in our uh, process, uh, we talked with uh, every, basically all of the, the division directors of the port. Uh, and as uh, Mr. Serino mentioned, we talked to uh, each of the commissioners, either one-on-one -on -one or over the phone, uh, our team. And uh, there was a team from HKS that was involved. Maria was quite involved in a lot of that, and as were others on our team. Uh, you can see, uh, I won't go through this line by line, but all of the various different division directors, um, and we went through looking at all of the, the space by space requirements for each department. Um, and a brief overview of the goals that we uh, essentialized from that discussion. Uh, one is essentially organizational effectiveness. Will the building help the port do its business better? That's kind of a fundamental component of a new building. It's a tremendous opportunity uh, in the creation of a new building to improve what you do. Um, then the other aspect of that is the public outreach side, the community face of the port out to the world and the local community, and some of the public amenities that would be part of the building as a, as a result of that. Uh, one of the other goals, clearly, cost effectiveness, de delivering a project, a building that doesn't break the bank, that is in line with expectations for other uh, government buildings uh, that have been built in recent years. Flexibility in the design is a critical component that folds back into organizational effectiveness. Your needs will change. The way you do business will change. The building shouldn't be built in such a way that it really restricts or limits that ability to change over time. And uh, sustainability is a part of that as well as uh, you know, the green port initiatives. Uh, the building needs to be a, a representative of that as well. Uh, one of the other, and the next topic here really folds quite, quite clearly into that employee wellness. Is this a place that it's a healthy building? It's a, it's a place that is a good place for people to work. Um, knowing that this is a premier international seaport, the image and iconography and the quality and the lasting impact of this building is a very important component of this. Uh, you don't want to build something that uh, could be built cheaper, but in, in more of a developer kind of mindset where it's a 20-year building and then suddenly the facade needs to be replaced because it was done you know, for the first dollar uh, low-budget approach. Um, Another component about the design, the progressive workplace, the collaboration, helping the port's business improve through increasing opportunities for collaboration amongst all the different departments. Security, uh, as we went through this process, became one of the ten, uh, paramount uh, design drivers for the new headquarters. And it has impacts from technology as well as the actual building design and configuration, the relationship of how parking is dealt with, with the public interface, the separation of certain components to that. So that's a detailed design uh, component, but it's a, it's a very key goal and success driver for us. Another component that, that came out was the desire to have an educational component in the headquarters for the public to describe what the port does, to describe the global impact of, of trade. And, um, and then the last one that, that was discussed by the mayor was also the location and ultimately 
where should the building be? So those are all the topics that we, uh, we focused on. Um, as we drilled down on this a little bit more, we identified 20 different components of what we would call amenities. Some of them are amenities like a cafeteria for the staff and whether that's shared with the public or not. Um, one uh, component came up as a, a rooftop viewing deck so they could take international visitors and, and show them the port and they can get the overall vista of, of what the, port, the port's uh, uh, range is all about. Um, components here, employee fitness center and wellness came up as being important amenities uh, for the building. These are all the components that go beyond just the nuts and bolts of workplace, conference rooms, meeting rooms, etc. So there's, a, there's quite an a, a extensive list. And as we went through that, we interviewed everyone and asked them to rank them uh, from being very important to not important at all. And we have mapped and graphed the two uh, against each other, uh, the uh, division director's priorities and then the port commissioner's priorities. And you can kind of see the, uh, the analysis here uh, from, uh, you know, things like running trails were modestly important for both the directors and the commissioners, but not highly important. They were below neutral, uh, basically. Some of the spikes that you can kind of see on the, on the chart here in red is the uh, iconic building international image ranked at the top for the commissioners, um, whereas for the staff, the directors being near the port was the highest of the, at the far end of the chart. So you can kind of look across here from the employee perspective, being near the port was ranked as being a very important component because they do a lot of business at the port, backing and forthing from the administration building to the site where operations are taking place. From the commissioner's perspective, uh, being close to the port was uh, sufficient as long as you could kind of see the port from the location. For the employees, uh, you know, wellness and fitness and a healthful work environment component, those were very important. From the commissioner's perspective, the look of the building. And uh, new commonality, security being essential, sustainability, and an educational component were both ranked very highly. And there's a consistency there between the, the two different groups. Um, as we focus a little bit on icon iconography, uh, we pulled together just some images to kind of uh, let people understand what we mean by that. Uh, in certain cases, uh, the building is an expression of what the business of that operation is. Some of that comes through transparency, letting the, the business of what happens inside the building be expressed on the outside of the building. It makes the place somehow attractive. It, it has a presence on the skyline. Um, the one on the, uh, the image on the left here, uh, the roof of the building ends up being a very important component of the building because on the skyline, you want that building to have some presence. Uh, and so the form of the building, the look of the building, the transparency of the building, the color of the building, how it's lit at night, these are all components that feed into the notion of iconography. And we looked at some other, other examples from recent uh, civic buildings that have been constructed. Uh, some in Los Angeles, the LAPD headquarters, the Caltrans headquarters, uh, projects for UCLA, uh, and the, the courthouse here in Long Beach being a great example of a very beautiful building. Uh, San Diego uh, United States Courthouse. These are all buildings that are of a very high quality, built to last, uh, 
they have a lifespan of at least 100 years. You know, components have to be replaced. The building needs to be uh, maintained over time, but they're built for the duration. That's an important component to it. Exterior amenities were something that we also identified uh, and brought to bear some examples here that have been done in other locations. Uh, rooftop uh, gardens, the use of uh, outdoor plaza spaces, uh, amenity spaces that are open to the public uh, where you can host farmers markets and things like that, city gathering spaces especially would be important if you're in a downtown site. Um, and then exterior amenities, things that we talked about uh, to, that were, for example, some of these were in the, uh, the design uh, for the port. There was an outdoor amphitheater, gathering spaces, courtyards, running trails. These are, these are all features if you have more land uh, that can enhance the overall experience. And through intelligent design, some of these amenities actually can fold into the sustainable goals. So water features, for example, are, can be designed in a way and engineered to collect stormwater and deal with uh, site runoff and all those components. So they become beautiful uh, features but are also serving in a, a, a pragmatic, programmatic component. Uh, then we talk a lot about what the nature of the interior workspace is and some of the components like uh, you know this hall here, for example, where we're meeting. It's a high-quality space. It's an amenity. Uh, it is quite different than your typical office space. And so the, the fit and finish and the quality of that, this is a public space. Uh, Pre-function spaces, uh, the dining spaces. Um, and one example on the, the upper right, the news museum. Is, you know, how do you uh, integrate in the educational component that describes the mission of the port in a way that is uh, integrated, uh, durable, of a quality, and uh, an image that uh, you can feel proud of. Um, and then other components that, that get more into the employee type spaces of uh, the cafeteria, the fitness center, the lounges. Uh, focusing in just, so, just to kind of remind us uh, what, what it is we're talking about when we talk about amenities and what, when we talk about interior finishes and, and quality. Um, and then all of that is kind of focused a little bit on why. And the why really is helping people do their work better in a more effective way. And when we look at the trend in workplace environments, we do a lot of work for corporate America and for government institutions. And um, what it really comes down to is your people. You're designing space for your staff so they can do their jobs, so they can feel motivated, inspired, uh, not take those sick days as often as they might if they were in a place that they didn't like to work, a place where they feel good about coming every day, they're bound to work harder and, and uh, contribute more. Um, so that's the kind of the focus of people and allowing them to have different types of spaces to work, to collaborate, to gather. And then just I'll hit these quickly here, but the notion of the brand of the building, conveying the message of what the port is all about. Uh, the workplace environment, the flexibility of how the workplace is designed is a critical component. A lot of technology that goes into that. We talked about things like uh, underfloor air systems, underfloor data and, and telecom systems that allow for a restacking of a floor, floor plate quite easily, um, creating those spaces that people can gather. Uh, and then the real estate cost. Uh, one of the components about this is that we, we drilled down a little bit on was what are the right metrics on a per square foot basis for different uh, uh, levels of uh, director, 
manager, et cetera, and trying to create a universal workspace standard so that you can have more increased efficiency, more flexibility. If one, one uh, department says, well, my offices need to be 15 by 20 and everyone else has got a 10 by 12, you know, there's, there's uh, some managerial components to the overall facility management that needs to be taken into account that can help increase efficiency and flexibility. So if you need to move departments around, and that, that highlighted again there with flexibility and technology plays a key part of that as well. Um, so this is kind of an uh, executive summary of the, the master summary of the program uh, evaluation that we went through. And there are uh, many, many pages in our full report that are the buildup to this summary uh, where we went through with every uh, department director and evaluated their headcount. So uh, reading from left to right, uh, we can look here. The, the first, first column says current 2012s. How many people, we call them FTEs, full-time equivalents or headcount, how many people uh, are in each uh, department today, 2012? Uh, then the next column over previous headquarters is what we called, that was the, the project that was canceled at the port. There were assumptions built into those numbers that if you kind of look down to the bottom there, the expectation was is the new headquarters building would accommodate 390 people. Um, working across, you can see already the next column, the interim headquarters, that's the building at, uh, at the airport that we've discussed. We're already uh, looking to plan for 411. So we've already surpassed the headcount uh, projections mm -hmm. that were in the old design. Then moving, uh, continuing on to the right, we also looked out uh, clear ahead out to 2035, and in talking with all of the uh, department directors, uh, looked at what their growth projections were. And by 2035, their expectation was that the new headquarters ought to be able to accommodate close to 500 people, 499 people. So you can see from the original design in, 20, uh, in 2009, 390 people to 499. So the next set of columns that are in gold uh, or yellow from I don't know what you call it, brown, <laughs> tan, um, shows the equivalent square footage that goes with that. So I can kind of cut to the quick here, but say that the current uh, space allocation uh, shown there is 127,000 square feet current. Uh, the previous headquarters design was 265,000 square feet. Uh, through some of the things I just described about standardizing workplace, looking at the current trends, looking at the uh, flexibility, uh, and not uh, marrying that to a specific building design, but just from the numbers perspective, uh, as we went through our assessment, um, we feel that for the same square footage, we ought to be able to accommodate the same, the 499 people. So there's an inherent efficiency that we think can be gleaned through a reevaluation as you get into design about integrating workplace standards. And there were things in the, in the previous building that were very thoughtfully laid out. And so we're not here to kind of uh, throw stones at how that building was designed. We're really just doing the numeric analysis to say that we should, in the same amount of square footage, be able to accommodate uh, you know, 110 more people within the same square footage. And so I think the, the good news is the building was appropriately sized. 
and I think that you know the evaluation would be to how to program and plan it to accommodate more people within the same square footage. Um, this is kind of a high-level high level summary uh, that, that we wanted to talk about. One of the differences, I'd say, where uh, some of the efficiencies are can be uh, derived, I believe, are in the amenity spaces, which I highlighted earlier, that 20 items that we talked about. Uh, the, uh, the 2009 design had about 93,000 square feet of amenity spaces, uh, so it had uh, some large gathering spaces that had uh, atriums on every other floor that were large uh, footprint areas that were designed to foster collaboration between departments. Um, the current, uh, I'm sorry, the interim space where uh, the port will be moving near the airport is only programming 22,000 square feet for those amenities. And everyone has acknowledged that the port building is temporary and that there were uh, things that were scaled back that really aren't appropriate necessarily for the long term. But there's, as you can see there, you know, there's uh, uh, 70,000 square foot difference in those. Um, we projected out uh, in the numbers that we developed about 76,000 square feet for these amenity spaces. We felt through some further refinement and efficiency um, we could drop that 93,000 square foot number down and deliver a, a, a beautiful headquarters that does all those things that the uh, previous design was trying to do. Uh, we also looked at parking. Uh, so this just kind of gives you a, 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 an evaluation. Uh, we, we validated the parking assumptions for the building, looking at uh, the metrics uh, that uh, allows for uh, the uh, public to come visit, so we have, you know, we allowed for 77 spaces for the public, and then the uh, the formulas for deriving the parking criteria, it's a mathematical function when you subtract out components out of that 266,000, you take out core areas and spaces that aren't used by people, storage rooms and things like that, and we, we came to a number of 516 cars for the workplace, 77 for visitors, uh, and we also provided uh, uh, for bicycle spaces. Um, and then we use a, a metric of about 350 square feet per parking stall uh, to come up with a number of about 207,000 square feet per for parking structure. So you can kind of do the math and say, well, for 266,000 square feet of office, you're building almost, you're probably building another 90% of that in square footage for the parking structure. Um, and those numbers can be evaluated. I think there are some components to where you're located. If you're in a downtown site, there's mass transit. You know, there are things that you can start to look at, but we feel pretty confident that these numbers are, are good. Um, then we actually moved into the port, uh, the, uh, the benchmarking, looking across. And this is the number that the mayor just picked up on of the uh, stripping out all of the, uh, the soft costs, which are... Uh, you know, all the engineering and design fees, the land acquisition fees, uh, the attorney's fees, all that, just hard construction numbers. Um, with the help of uh, the port staff, uh, evaluating those numbers came up with $107 million for the previous design in, uh, in 29. So one quick metric that we like to is just cost per square foot. Uh, when we looked at that, uh, we come up with about $400 a square foot. As we kind of looked across, we looked at the Port of, uh, port of Portland, uh, which built a building in 2010. 
uh, similar, similar apples to apples um, from the best of our ability. And I want to just put a caveat on some of these numbers. Not all these numbers, as you can imagine, are that easy to obtain. Uh, publicly listed numbers. We made a lot of phone calls. Uh, we got numbers from some of the ports. Uh, we didn't have detailed cost estimates. You know, we didn't do a line-by-line -line analysis. So we're taking these uh, for the numbers that were given to us and then applying our analysis to it. But big picture is, um, you know, the port of Portland's building, not including parking, like in the same way we've analyzed the, uh, the uh, 2009 building, $414 a square foot. Uh, the Port of Seattle building, older building, and a renovation, lower number, so, you know, different market. Uh, Port of Los Angeles, uh, we didn't have uh, all the detail available, but we can just show you. We filled in the blanks where we could. Uh, Port of Oakland, you have the documents in front of you. I can go through and answer any questions you like about that. Um, we also looked at, we're currently doing projects for LA County. Uh, our firm, and as we, we go through and assess um, the number that you're seeing for the San Fernando Valley project, which uh, we're in uh, starting construction shortly, uh, the $603 a square foot includes parking, but if you strip the parking out, it's about $400 a square foot. So it's a very good uh, apples to apples comparison. The building is roughly the same size, a little bit smaller, 212,000 square feet. There are some outliers here. Uh, some of the you know, courts buildings typically cost more per square foot. And the other variable that we have to keep in mind really is different site conditions. There may be uh, foundation costs that you know, one, one site has really terrible soil requiring a very extensive upgrade in the foundation design. There are a lot of variables that go into this. But when we've kind of gone through and looked at other government buildings, other corporate buildings, um, we uh, we can roughly say for civic architecture at this point, shell and core and interior fit out, not including site costs, not including parking structures, in the low 400s is probably a very safe, comfortable number for where we are in today's economy. Uh, and similarly, when we looked at the cost per square foot, parking structures, structured parking is probably coming in $35,000, $40,000 a stall, uh, something like that. So I think we're, we're, we're feeling fairly confident that the original numbers, uh, I'm not sure of all the details of how the $1,000 a square foot for the previous port headquarters was derived. I mean, I think that probably includes everything. You know, when you're also, there's port staff, the management, you know, there's the overhead of managing a project, which is, you know, that, that's not in, in, uh, embedded in some of these numbers either. So um, we also did, um, going through a lot of information, happy to answer questions. Uh, if you want to interrupt, please do. Sorry, I've been speaking quickly. Um, the uh, workplace comparisons, we also went through and went through other corporate facilities to try to uh, see if we're on track with corporate America. And the corporate America numbers are a, a, bit, a little bit lower, but I'll tell you that's typically because you're not looking at a 100-year building, you're looking at a 20-year building. So you design systems uh, with the expectation and understanding that you're going to need to do upgrades. And so uh, that happens. I mean, that, that's, and corporate America may sell the building, so they don't really care. They're not building an icon that will be there forever. Uh, they may walk away from it at certain points, so they're not going to invest quite as heavily in the infrastructure of their real estate. 
Um, we also went through and did a couple quick analyses to show you some of the differences. This is a, a crude approximation of the uh, 2009 design. Uh, it's a, a slender bar building. Uh, the little tongue that projects out uh, on the left is representative of the, uh, the, uh, the chambers here, conference facilities, museum, public spaces, lobby spaces, etc. And then the workplace environment is in the, the slabs that kind of work their way up. Um, one, uh, so I'll just kind of do a little flip, flip book here. Uh, a typical, this, is, this uh, bar scheme, what we call the bar scheme, is a little bit wider, a little bit shorter, a little bit stockier. Uh, this is more like the Silicon Valley uh, model, if you will, of a, a corporate office park environment. Bigger floor plates, uh, a bit more efficient in its layout because of the size. The width is a bit wider. I don't know if you can quite see that, but that's, I believe it says 125, 128 feet wide versus... Uh, you know, something that's a little less than 70 feet wide. So quite a bit difference in the slenderness. Now, the slenderness of a building uh, helps with natural daylight. Getting in, you know, in theory, with a sl more slender building, you need less electrical power because you can use daylight during a, the vast majority of your uh, business operations, except perhaps in winter. Uh, a bigger floor plate, more efficient use of real estate, uh, a little less ener uh, energy efficient. And then uh, for comparison purposes, if you were to move to a downtown high-rise site, the shape and nature of the site may dictate a smaller footprint and a taller configuration, uh, which is going to be inherently less efficient. Uh, we talk about the, uh, the core ratio. So how much of the floor plate gets eaten up by elevators, stairs, mechanical rooms, shafts, all of the, the you know, the the bones of what makes the building function. In a tower, they're far less efficient because uh, the floor plate is, is smaller for the size of the core, so the ratio is less efficient. Um, there's, some, there's some benefits to that as well, you know, in terms of the, uh, the ability to have a more prominent location on the skyline of, of, uh, of the city. Uh, one of the things you deal with in a tower is more up and down through elevators. We like to introduce communicating stairs, things of that nature to, to kind of foster collaboration. Um, so in conclusion, um, the overall gross square footage of the 2009 design through our assessment was appropriately sized. Um, one of the changes that would need to be evaluated is to accommodate the increased headcount within that same square footage. Um, and then ultimately, uh, beyond the scope of our study was where the building is located, and we'll leave that to other people <laughs> to, to decide. But uh, it was determined that it's very important for all, everybody, the directors and uh, the commissioners, to be within sight of the port. Now, whether you're at the port or right across the bridge or in the downtown, that, that is another discussion that, that would need to be uh, developed. And we, we had uh, also gone through and really highlighted just in summary the things that we felt that it would be critical that the new building address. And I've listed those here as well. Um, with that, I'd like to open up to any questions you may have. If we have details, Maria, we can tag team a little bit on any detailed questions. Yes. Thank you. An excellent presentation. And um, I'm happy to see that the uh, total uh, proposed square footage uh, matches what was um, proposed uh, um, 
several years ago in the building that, that hasn't been built. Um, I had a couple of questions, and the first is on the parking structure. You, you said on average it's thirty-five dollars to $40,000 per stall. Yeah, I, you know, there's, uh, in a downtown site, that's, you know, and if you're out in suburbia on a greenfield site, we can usually probably get something in 20, 25, uh, 25,000. So is that based on construction costs alone or construction co costs and the acquisition of land? Construction costs. Okay. I, can't, I can't speak to the acquisition costs. So all the numbers that we're quoting are construction costs uh, with soft costs removed out of that. So I would ask staff to bookmark this because I think the new parking structure, the beautiful new parking structure at the Long Beach Airport came in a lot less than that. So I, I, I heard that it was more than $20,000. And then that's like yeah, on a flat site, ground up structure, depending on how you design the exterior of it, yes. And then looking at parking as well, it's the availability of land. If you don't have to build up and you can just park on the ground, that's a substantial savings. So you have to, you have to weigh that cost versus the cost to acquire the land itself. Sure. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. And, and so if, and that also could benefit um, when, when you're weighing uh, the type of structure. So if you're going with a tower, there's more, more space on the ground, so you'd have more space to park instead of going to a structure as well. Uh, in, well, maybe. In an urban site, the, the site might be constricted, and that was one of the issues that we didn't really get into. But, yeah, you, the, from a security perspective, one of the major findings was that uh, we couldn't have the parking structure under the building and because for the risks so therefore you need to acquire enough land to be able to accommodate a parking structure and the footprint of the building that you ultimately build and so switching a little bit here move, moving towards energy costs um i i look at uh like lead certification as uh that's like 2010 or earlier and the today to look at building an iconic uh, um, office building in downtown that, and knowing that even though it would only be built for 20 years with current technology and then look at doing an upgrade, but to look at something along the lines of a net zero energy building, um, and would that have an impact on the design versus going with a smaller flat building where you're looking, uh, a narrow building where you're looking for more natural sunlight? Would a tower offer the same benefits where um, you've got more space where you could put photovoltaic film built into the skin of the building, you have more of a, a land, uh, uh, you have more surface area to attract more sun, which could uh, create more electricity as you're moving towards a net zero? To get to, get to a net zero building, you'll need to do everything, everything to, to come close to that. Uh, we've designed a lot of high performance buildings, lead platinum buildings, and uh, with Cost parameters being a major driver, it's tough to do. Uh, you know, I think in California now, we can get to lead silver easily. We really, we just need to adjust a little bit. But the codes here in California basically get you to lead silver. Um, lead gold, you try a little bit, you can do that. Lead platinum, you really have to push, and you start to introduce, you know, green energy and things like that. You have, you have to use a lot to get to lead platinum. To get to net zero, you're going to need to do all that and more. Uh, a lot of net zero buildings, they don't have air conditioning. You know, it's all naturally ventilated. So you have to design the building to allow for 
uh, airflow through the building. So that is a commitment, which I applaud, and I think I would love to do that. I have not had the fortune in my career yet to do something like that because not too many clients are willing to, to go that route. Um, yes, but you'll need, you'll need photovoltaic, you'll need uh, natural ventilation, you'll need daylight harvesting, you'll need uh, a lot of really smart people coming together, looking at a particular site and seeing what can be done. Doing that in a tower will be much harder to do. I don't think there's been, uh, I can't think of anything that has gotten beyond lead platinum in a high-rise configuration. You're limited by energy consumption. I mean, one of the biggest things is, is the heat gain generated by people and all the equipment. And in a tower, there's always challenges of trying to ventilate. Naturally ventilating a tower, you don't see too many high-rises with uh, operable windows because the mechanical systems get out of whack and they can't, you know, some guy opens the window and somebody else doesn't, and it gets hot, it gets cold. So it's, it's a very challenging thing to do. Typically where you see the super high-performance green buildings are in more of a low-rise uh, site where it's indoor-outdoor uh, kind of configuration. Not to say it can't be done. Um, and there have been some great theoretical projects, but I haven't seen any that have been implemented that I'm aware of yet. And we could also, though, move into looking at fuel cell technology because this will probably be the most secure building in the city where it would potentially become the command and control center sure. for police, for the city council, the mayor, sure. and fire. So uh, we, we could be more energy self-efficient. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. there's things like ice storage systems, and uh, um, there's a lot of really interesting kind of things that we've, we've explored in other projects. Well, I've really enjoyed your presentation. Um, I have been on this board for two years now, and um, I gained a lot more information in the last half hour and, than I did in the first two years, and this has been the number one uh, issue that uh, this board has been challenged with. I, I do want to finish with this. Um, I've done a lot of research on the hard costs of, of a building, and I think you're right in line. $400 a square foot, I think, is, is what we would be looking at for the hard construction costs. Um, but I am going to turn to staff and ask that, uh, you know, information be given looking back over the last two years and, um, you know, some type of explanation over numbers because I have been presented uh, costs that would uh, be eight, nine hundred, a thousand dollars a square foot. So I hope we can go back and revisit. Um, and of course, if this has to be in closed session, it has to be in closed session. But I really would, would like to get to the root of this because I, I've believe from the first day that we've looked at about $100 million in hard costs for construction of a building. And uh, that hasn't been the information that's been presented to this board, at least uh, as long as I've been here. So I would hope that we could, we could work towards bringing everyone back in and going over what has been done. Let's hit the reset button and let's move forward. Thank you very much. I, I really enjoyed your presentation. It was very informative. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I like to actually have a couple uh, ask a couple of questions uh, on page seventeen where you have the port buildings and you list the cost of square foot. One thing I uh, am lacking, and I think it would be important to know the number of staff in each of those buildings because I'd like to break that out of the cost of the per per employee per square foot for me that would be quite quite important quite valuable 
We uh, we tried to get as much information as we possibly could. We weren't always able to get every last metric uh, that we uh, we wanted. Um, but we we look at certain metrics uh, across corporate America in terms of estimates of um, square foot square feet per person, and uh, you know it's one of those things that is changing. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, typically was uh, if you talk to a real estate broker, they'll tell you, oh yeah, most offices office buildings are designed at for three people per thousand square feet. Um, but that's changing in corporate America. The numbers are going up to four, five, depending on you know this uh, desire for creative office space has really actually densified the footprints. And so you know if you so uh, four four people per thousand, you can kind of quickly do the the calculation to figure out what some of the the possible headcount might be. Um, for an administration building of this, that maybe maybe three or two and a half is more appropriate because you have a, a higher ratio of public spaces, the amenity spaces that we talked about. Um, so some of that we probably just honestly were not able to get from interviewing people on the phone, uh, and so we just don't have all that data. Okay, fine. Uh, and the other issue relates to that as well, which is on page 14, uh, I was looking at the numbers you have from interim, and you put those numbers down. Uh, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you put those numbers down, and you, and you have those uh, related to the entire interim building. Now, my question is, I know that we will be housing some people here at the port in trailers. So I guess what I'm trying to find out is that that taken account, do those numbers take into account? Yes. The number of yeah, we, we stripped out um, from the projections all of the people that will be residing in the maintenance facility that's under construction, people that are not uh, going to be full-time residing in the administration building. So that's also those folks that will be on trailers that we will, we want to be here every day that will right. not be in the administration building. Right, so that 499 number is just staff that would be housed in the administration building. The total, to, I mean, because it also shows the current headcount of 376, and I'm sure that that's not the actual number. It's much higher than that if you include all of the staff working at the port. Okay, great, thank you. Any other questions from board members? Uh, yes, uh, Ms. Weiss, Commissioner Weiss. Thanks. Um, well, thank you very much. This, is, um, this, this provides some great basic information for us going forward. Um, I had just a couple other questions. Uh, on the, on the pages where you do the comparative construction costs, I, I noticed these buildings are constructed at different points in time. So right. are the dollars we're getting current dollars or are they dollars? These are what were at the time of construction. Okay, so, so, so you have to take the ones that are older and apply escalation to them okay. to try to get to a comparative. Right, so like if we look at Oakland, 1989, 246. Not that relevant at that number. Right. Okay. That, you, would, you would have to project it forward to current. All right. And, and, um, and then I just wanted to understand a little bit better um, the questions uh, based on your discussion with Commissioner Dines about the cost of parking structures. Mm -hmm. And you said in the suburban area it's 20 to 25,000 mm -hmm. and in, in a 
in a city, it's thirty-five to forty-five thousand. Right. Is that because you're assuming the parking structure will be taller and there's more steel? I'm trying to understand why the construction cost is more. Well, you said you don't include land acquisition. So. Right. Well, you're more land constrained, so oftentimes you're going underground with some of that, or you have structures that are above. You know, when you know a typical tower in a downtown setting would have a building on top of it, uh, so uh, the higher number is going to be the complexity of integrating those two buildings together. Uh, parking structure with an office building. So for the port, if it were a downtown site and the structure needed to be separated, you're not going to pay the highest dollar premium because you're going to be building a simpler structure on an adjacent parcel. So it might be more in line with the, uh, you know, the 25 or something like that. I mean, there are com considerations that drive up costs working in a downtown, just site access. Uh, the general contractors charge premiums to work in a downtown setting because it's harder for them. They don't have free access. They don't have lots of land nearby where they can store all their goods. They have to time trucks coming in and out. So you pay a premium in, in a downtown setting just by virtue of being in a congested area. I understand. Okay, thank you. And then um, based on the, the earlier discussion, I, I think it will be important for us to understand what was stripped out to get back to the this number of 107,000, I, I think 107 million. I think that's a number that we need to we all need to to understand. So um, I'd ask that staff um, provide us more detail about that. Okay. I just want to add one thing too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, one of the reasons why the cost of a parking structure is ex more expensive than the actual buildings because you're doing, you have to build it to more reinforced to handle the weight of cars per square inch. Is that correct? Uh, actually, no. You know, uh, it's interesting. People are heavier per square foot than cars are. <laughs> and you design uh, a parking structure to a lighter structure because you don't worry so much about vibration. Uh, so the pounds per square foot in a parking structure uh, can be half what an, an office building may be designed to accommodate 100 pounds per square foot and a parking structure can be 40 okay. something like that 40 50 you know you, in an office building imagine you have filing cabinets full of paper those weigh a lot more per square foot than cars do so you're saying the cost of the additional cost of uh square footage on a parking structure is because of acquisition cost and the fact of the difficulty for a con contractor to get to in a downtown, in downtown site. Yes. Uh, yes, and also I guess what I was trying to say is for a typical downtown building that maybe has, you know, three or four levels of a basement garage, the basement garage is, you know, that's the forty to 45000 You have to dig the hole. It's expensive. You have structure of the tower coming down through it, so it's not a very efficient uh, uh, this, I'm sorry, this is the key. That kind of structure is not as structurally efficient. You don't get as many cars per square foot mm. in an urban garage under a building than you would like at an airport parking structure. They'll design long span beams that span 60 feet where in a, with a building overhead, you're on a 30 foot column bay spacing. So every time you have a column, it decreases the efficiency of the square footage to accommodate cars. That's kind of, I think that's probably maybe if that makes sense, that's a... It does, thank you. Okay. okay. Any further comments or questions? Okay, if there are none, uh, any from the staff, comments or questions? 
I think we uh, we have a couple of assignments. Uh, clearly, from the previous work, we we will put a report together and, and uh, provide that to the commissioners as quick as we can. Uh, and as far as uh, some of the information that was presented today, there's a, a little bit of an analysis that the uh, we can provide clarification on. So I think we know what we need to do forward. Great, appreciate that. Let me at this time ask if there's any members of the public that would like to address us on this item. Morning, uh, Harbor Commissioners and Port staff and the public. Uh, my name is Tommy Favai. I represent IBEW Electrical Workers, Local 11 in the Los Angeles area. And I just wanted a, a comment on the, um, the concept, the future building uh, headquarters uh, for the Port of Long Beach. And I think uh, HKS uh, did a great job there of uh, bringing that uh, and enlightening everybody here. Um, I'd like to say, I, I know um, the, the last speaker before me mentioned that um, uh, he hasn't heard of uh, a zero net uh, energy building that has been built in, uh, in, in California. And I can say uh, that um, one of our training facilities, that, that's the IBW local training facility in Oakland, uh, just built their first, first net energy uh, building uh, there in uh, San Leandro uh in oakland and um and it's a great facility and i think it was one of the first in the nation to be built in in california uh so um we take pride in ibw we take pride in in the newest technologies that are coming and uh you know we work together with firms we work together with uh building construction uh and to to make sure that uh these type of technologies are brought forward uh, especially to the ports, uh, to ensure that they're built correctly and done correctly by uh, good uh, journeymen, good apprentices that go through apprenticeship program. And I know it's early, it's early in the process, but you know, I always advocate that we look forward to doing a project labor agreement for a particular project like this. And we think that this is uh, very uh, beneficial to the community, very beneficial to the port, and very uh, beneficial to everyone that's involved with this. So we look we look forward to this coming forward uh, to the port. And um, if you have any questions about zero net uh, buildings, feel free to uh, um, to talk to me about it. And I, you know, and if uh, in the near future that we we can bring uh, those those type of folks that actually built those type of facilities, we would like to bring them forward to the port also. So. Thank you. Thank you. If there are no further comments from any members of the public, then I will close this study session. Thank you so much for your patience.